Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Louis, how's it going, man? Hey, hey, hey. Bonjour, bonjour. As I must bonjour, say. bonjour. Yeah, I'm give actually, us the. Um... I have to do it. I must do it now. <laughs> I'm forced. Right. Give us the uh, the everyone hates marketers intro. Uh... <laughs> bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Everyone Hates Marketers dot com. The no fluff. Uh, I'm forgetting. No I bullshit. Actual marketing done... podcasts. Uh, yeah, for people sick of marketing bullshit, I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Corey Hines, who's <laughs> nailing it since he fucking quit his job. Uh, you're the most, I have to say, man, you are the most diligent, structured marketer I've seen in a long fucking time. And I love, I love the way everything you're doing about the way you're transparently doing it. And it's clear that you, every single step that you're taking is almost, it's very calculated. You, you don't do stuff just like that on the whim. It's very nice to see. Uh, Thanks, man. Feel a bit jealous though. <laughs> oh man. If I told you the people that I'm jealous of, it would, it would take us a long time to get through that list. And, um, doesn't matter. I'm still jealous. I know. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't feel diligent and uh on top of it and planned hardly ever um calculated for sure definitely calculated but on top of it almost never i'm just um i'm treading water most times so don't worry about it <laughs> but the truth the reality is not your reality it's the reality of the the market right the people and the way they perceive you that's true yeah right it's it's uh well it's not a lie but it's um it's the perception, like you said, it's it's what I'm putting out there. But uh, thanks for coming on the show. Super stoked to have you on. Um, Chris is still out on paternity leave. He is chilling with his wife and his new baby, and they're living their best lives. And he'll be on sometime soon. I told him, no rush. Like, you just take as much time as you want, as you need. And I'm going to have fun with guests like you. And so uh, super fun win, and win, glad win. to have you on. That's right. Win, win, win. Thank, it's amazing. Thank you, man. Thanks for your time. Uh, um, do you want me to kick us off or I would love to hear maybe what, what it's been like. I'm like, I'm fascinated by you. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you were on my list and, uh, and you reached, you responded that you might be interested in coming on, but I'm interested in, you know, what does a week look like for Louis Grenier? Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about last week. So it's, I very much like to prepare my week on Fridays. So I would actually take easily two hours to plan my week ahead because I have, really? yeah, I'm, I'm an anxious guy. I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about medical stuff too much, but I'm, I have, I'm pretty sure I'm undiagnosed with ADHD in some way, shape or form. Very, very like huge difficulty to, to focus. So unless I have a list of things in front of me where I don't need to guess what I'm going to do next. I start to kind of go into this autopilot weird way of checking my email, checking LinkedIn, checking Twitter, checking Facebook, checking my email, checking, you know, so I need oh, that. Yeah. Uh, so that's where my week starts. And then weekends, I don't do anything. I do a lot of thinking. 
but I don't do anything. I, I would write a few notes. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday would be when I do the most work. So usually a good week is when I ship and do what I wanted to do on, on Monday. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm a bit more productive. And then to be honest, Thursday, Fridays are not as productive, you know? Mm. So that's the shape, how it looks like overall. Has that changed since you left Hotjar? Or was that sort of like a thing that you brought with you? Yeah, it's, it's always been like that, man. Um, you know what, in retrospect, looking back at the first agency I created a few years ago, the first full-time job I had in marketing, I don't know if it's my memory that is tricking me into making me believe certain things, but I felt way more productive then. I felt I was being able to do way more than I'm able to do now. Hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if it's because I know now more or less what I need to do. And when I do something, I know I have a good sense whether or not it's going to be a good, a good choice. Well, before I was probably doing a lot of things without a lot of impact, but yeah, I feel less productive overall, man. Hmm. Yeah. That's, it's a struggle. It's, um, I've gone back and forth. I've probably been talking about the same kinds of things for the last three months now about, Oh, my, my week is kind of jumbled and like, I need to plan things more out day to day and trying to do more yeah. like scheduled, uh, kind of planning, but then everything kind of changes and gets thrown out the window. Usually I was actually, I was just talking about with my wife about it with my, with my mom and I was telling her like Monday, I like hit the ground running with a plan right? and I'm like pretty productive Tuesday, something happens or like I go down a rabbit hole or something mm -hmm. piques my interest and I just like start going there. Wednesday is like meetings back to back to back because I batch them all and I do, you know, consulting and coaching calls. Thursday, I try to do as much consulting as I can and get that, get that out. But I inevitably also go down a couple of rabbit holes. And then Friday is like, okay, I'm going to try to cram in all the things I wanted to do earlier in the week this day. And I just don't have like the time or energy to anymore. And then it's like rinse and repeat. Um, all right. So pretty similar, man. Pretty, pretty fucking similar. Uh, I'm actually curious. How many hours do you think per week you are actually productive? And by productive, I mean you are creating something. You are, you know, doing something creative in some way, shape or form. Hmm. That's a good question. On average, the last month, I would say it's no more than like two hours a week, probably, which is like terrible. <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, I've been, I've been wanting to ship so many blog posts and newsletters and pieces of content and, and updates myself, but I've been like dragged through all these, you know, admin stuff or planning yeah. things or just try to like coordinate and orchestrate and whatnot. Um, what I'd that like surprises to, I mean, me. Yeah, ideally, I mean, I, I want to, I'm trying to get back to a place where I can, I can do, you know, at least eight to 10 hours a week of like truly kind of productive, right. creative work, like a full day or a couple of hours each day. But that's not the reality right now. But, but you're pretty active on like, like Twitter is, is a place where you're very active and I would consider that to be creative. And then you have your own private community as well. I suppose you're also replying to comments and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So if you, if you wanted to lump those in, it probably, it probably goes up to five hours a week. Um, it's funny cause Twitter is like, 
you know, I'm a consumer, obviously, but everything that I post on Twitter is like literally completely spontaneous. Like it could not be less calculated. <laughs> it's all but like, that's the uh, key, man. And that's why you're naming it on Twitter. That's right. why I struggle on Twitter. Cause I, I can't let go as much as you are. And it clearly is happy. It's something you need to kind of, but I can't let go as much. It, it's, it's, I have a difficulty like to process and document my thoughts as they come tend to kind of self-censor myself and censor myself. Mm. And which is why on LinkedIn, it works way better for me. And I know it's the opposite with you because you talk about it. LinkedIn, I post once a day now, once a, a work day. And I do it in a calculated fa fashion where I, I have my content calendar in front of me, which is on paper, by the way, nothing fucking fancy. Wow. But I, I kind of plan out my week that way. So I know that on Monday, I'm going to talk about like, I'm going to share a swipe file, like something I liked. On Tuesday, I could talk about like promoting something, you know, so I have that. And on Twitter, it doesn't work as much. It does work, but you know, I can, it doesn't click, you know? Right, right. That's definitely a muscle. I mean, um, yeah, maybe there's something to that of why I've liked using Twitter more and maybe more of a consumer of Twitter as well, because it feels a little bit more like organic yeah. and natural, but that's definitely, I mean, like that self censorship stuff. Um, that's definitely been a muscle I've had to practice a lot because it used to be, you know, Oh, here's like all of my ideas for tweets or like, let me just write up this draft and then like put it and like, now it's just like ship. It's just get it out. I'll, you know, I'll write it out and then I'll go back and edit it or try to, you know, fix it up or see if there's a better way that I can say it and then just publish. And if you look through my feed, like there aren't a lot of like really engaged or really, um, profound, tweets like a lot of them just kind of like fall flat or like and that's not a big deal like it's fine i think yeah, that's also kind of the magic of twitter is like yeah it's not a um there's no need for grand slams like you just keep going at bat and it's uh if you hit a a base hit or a home run one out of ten times then you're doing good and you're growing i like how you're using a baseball analogy to a french guy who who knows nothing about <laughs> it i mean i know there's a bat and i know there's bases and shit like that but that's it and um, so tell me more about that then. How do you, so you just have a thought in your head and you literally write it down. Where do you write it down? Uh, usually, I mean, I mean, I have a whole bunch of different like things, um, but I'll, I'll write it in Rome if I'm okay. not sure about it. So Rome is like, you know, the note taking, uh, tool for network thought, whatever. And I'll just kind of like jot it down. Um, okay. if I'm like pretty sure about it. I'll, I'll go to cheer and I'll just, uh, it's like a Twitter scheduling kind of app. It's like super simple, 30 bucks a year. And, uh, and I'll publish or I'll schedule it for later. Okay. If I'm like, I know that this is good and there's no other tweets that I just, like, just recently tweeted, I'll just go straight to Twitter. Um, and like, so me writing it down is me publishing it basically just getting it okay. out there. And how, how, how many tweets per day on average do you do now? That's a good question. It's gotta be a couple on average. I'm gonna look at my right. analytics, but I wanna say it's probably somewhere in the range of three per day, but it's also confusing because, um, you know, if you count threads, then mm. like that puts like the number of tweets that you've actually tweeted way up, right? Or I guess it's a, it's a little bit unrepresentative. Well, right? yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but one thing that you do, like you make it seem, you make it seem very random and, but you do, 
you have you have clearly something else going on because when I look at your Twitter, I can see like you have threads that are ongoing. You retweet specific tweets to give an update. I I can sense that you have. It's not just that, right? Mm. You have more than that, right? Yeah, you're right. There's there's definitely. I feel like I'm assembling my strategy as I go, and it's not right. super clear. But what I've started to do is, um, I'll have some ongoing threads, and so I have uh, a thread for default alive. Um, that's one of them. I've created a couple of threads, and I'm I need it's actually on my to do list to create like a thread of threads, so I can just keep adding to that of like, and then make that my pin tweet and. Um, it seems to work well to kind of get people to know you and get them engaged with how you think and, and what you do. Uh, but I don't know if I do that a lot. Right. Um, I follow simple rules, you know, like I'm just going to write it down. I try to, you know, keep things very, uh, very real and very snappy, right? It's kind of like conversion copywriting works really well for Twitter because it's very like, you know, line by line quick. You have to just keep people going from one line to the next. Yeah. Um, Anything that I retweet, I quote retweet. Um, I also just try to share things that I'm learning or thinking about. I've been trying to share more fleets as well of like work in progress stuff, uh, which I haven't done a good job of. But um, really, yeah, you're very critical of yourself, aren't you? I mean, it's good. It's the totally. quote unquote growth mindset. It's fine as long as it doesn't fuck you up in the long time, in the long term, right? Yeah. No, that's, that's a struggle. I mean. I'm I'm absolutely my my own worst, worst critic, enemy. and I have super super high standards. Actually, I, would, I, I wouldn't say standards. I, I have super high ambitions and goals for myself, and so everything is like I need to be on it, or I need to not do it, and not even talk about it, and move on from it. And so everything that I do, I want to do really really well. So that's why I'm, every week I'm always talking about it. Feels like a failure because I'm not up to par with where I want to be. Yeah, you're a maximizer. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's literally one of my strengths. If you're, if you've taken one of those strength fighter tests, is um, all bullshit. By the way, do you know that? <laughs> it's. I mean, the the framework and sort of like the the theory behind it is is mostly you know it's man made, right? It's it's yeah. synthesized, but it's I think that it's, it's helpful. Is what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do believe that. Like, and I know these kind of opinions that de that get developed, and then the more I talk about it, the more entrenched I get into it. But those self, those you know, it's self fulfilling because you self report the answers, and then yeah, it gives you a summary. But it's like it's like your 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 horoscope. It's um, you read mm -hmm. what you want into it. Right. You, I tell you what, what I found to be the way more helpful, and that's something I actually teach. That's one of the small things I make people do in in the program I sell. Is the is to ask is to make people ask friends, colleagues, people they've worked before who know them. What do you think is my unique ability or my top strength? And mm. that I found way more illuminating because nothing is real in your head, and in what you self-report is only self-reported. But to the point of earlier on, where I said, you know, you seem very calculated, whatever. My perception of you is at the end of the day, what matters, not you, not yours. And right. the answers are always so illuminating. They're always very, very come like you, you can see common answers very fast, even from people who don't know you, oh, who don't know each other. They tend to say the same thing. And I found that way more profound in some way than personality tests and strength finders and shit like that. Right. That's actually a really good idea because it's objective, right? It's not, um, like you said, 
what do I think about myself? It's what do other people see in myself and yeah, and it's traits. much more powerful. Like, it, and and you know what? I've made like the, those fourteen people who took part of the first cohort of the program. They all did it, and yeah, every one of them got yeah, surprised in some way, shape, or form, much more than just those personally sixteen personality tests and stuff like mm. that. But anyway um just to come back to the productive hours the reason why i'm asking you is because i'm much more cognizant of those now that i'm full-time doing my own thing my calendar is empty which is a blessing it also makes me much more aware of the time i actually put creating things and realize that yeah if i can do if i can pull 10 to 12 hours a week of that it's a good week yeah Uh, oh absolutely I've definitely noticed that myself of going full-time. Well, I should say I, I went full-time on myself, but I'm still trading time for money to a certain degree. And so mm-hmm. eventually I'd like to get out of that. So my, even my window for like capacity of my own, like working from on my own things is probably 20 to 25 hours a week. And so it's even smaller than you. I feel like if I get five hours of creative time in a week, I'm like being insanely productive. Right. Right. But I've noticed that is you really need to feel like you're making progress, even if you're kind of not, but creating things, publishing things makes you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something that I can trust will result in something later, a sale, a consulting gig, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, to your point about being your own worst enemy, it's the same for me for sure. And I think it, when, once once one is able to nail that point and being able to really work that out, even though it's never perfect, but having to control those thoughts and being able to like channel the productive self for a long time, for years, this is when it happens. Um, I've seen too many people burning out and and, and just trying so many things and never being able to develop one thing well. Mm. That, you know, when I see those people doing too much for a short time, I can see that it's, they're going to burn out. It's just impossible for the human brain to, to keep going that much. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the limits are definitely uh, something I got to get better at as well. Even, well, let me tell you, uh, my last week of sort of productive creative time, like even oh, looking back last week, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? But this was, this was not the epitome of productivity for me, but I shipped the everything is marketing trailer for the new podcast. Um, which felt good and I got it out there and it was, it's literally a two minute episode, but I'd been on the two list for a long time and I finally got it out there. Um, recorded a whole bunch of guest intros and outros that I should have done a long time ago when the episodes were fresh and top of mind, but I looked back on notes and some of the, the audio and stuff. But, uh, actually I would say, I mean, that, that was probably about eight to 10 hours of creative work if you want to call it that just recording all those see that's a lot even listening back to them I'm like oh geez these are not perfect and they're not like the epitome of like a great guest intro but I probably recorded each one three to five times and like that was the best (laughs) shot so I'm just gonna ship it (laughs) just gonna go with it um I fixed a bug that was costing me or would have costed me potentially hundreds of newsletter signups um so that was that was good yeah, it was so bizarre. You know, I feel like maybe it's just a symptom of 
uh, you know, kind of like a moving fast and breaking things equivalent mm-hmm. for like creators. Um, but you know, I shipped this new version of the website, uh, back when I launched product hunt and I'm like 99% certain that I had everything connected and hooked up from Webflow to ConvertKit. Um, but even after product hunt, I was like, man, I didn't get that many email subscribers. And like, I could have swore that with the amount of traffic I got and like the amount of people responded, like I had more email replies than I did subscribers. And like, that doesn't make any sense. And, um, so it had been like in the back of my head, marinating forever. And then literally, uh, Friday night in the middle of the night, I woke up and I was like, I bet you that this Webflow form isn't sending over to ConvertKit. And I'm going to check to see if there are more Webflow form submissions than there are subscribers for a given day. And so the next, I wrote it down on my notepad. I keep a notepad by my bed. And the next day, so like, Saturday, like I woke the cliches. up. Sorry to cut you, but that, that's interesting. Like, so that's literally like the movie, right? Yes. You woke up and you took your notepad. Oh, I can't tell you how many times that's happened where I just like middle of the night Bless or right before bed or right when I wake up. Um, and that's why I started keeping it because I would have to run into my office where I'm recording now to get my phone to write it down because I keep my phone outside the bedroom. And I was like, I just need a notepad. And um, even in the dark, I just like scribble something that's like barely legible and that way I can reference it later. Uh, so the next morning I go, I go to Webflow and sure enough, I download the CSV and I upload it to ConvertKit and I had like 560 subscribers that hadn't made it into ConvertKit. Shit. So I felt terrible. Thank goodness I caught it now because if I had waited another couple of weeks, they probably wouldn't have been like fresh enough yeah. or, you know, engaged enough, but it seems like they're, everything's going smoothly and I had people reaching out. Hey, you know, I didn't get the confirmation email and I kept being like, that's so weird. Um, so I fixed that and I'll call that a win. <laughs> and, yeah, um, absolutely. And the other big one is buying swipefiles.com, which, um, I, I just pulled the trigger on and, uh, that was a whole mess. It was one of those things again, where one of these rabbit holes I had, I had bought it on Wednesday. How much? Uh, 6,400. I'm actually doing it on payment plan. So here's the thing. So I looked at it and I'd asked on Twitter, I thought, um, like, this is what I'm going to buy when I reach a thousand members and then everyone's like, dude, take it down. Like people are going to buy it up and they're going to hold it for ransom and stuff. And so I deleted it and then I was like, dang it. Now I'm scared that someone's going to buy it even if they saw it. So then I was looking and I had this idea. I was like, Oh, what if there's domain financing? And then everyone's like, dude, this exists. What are you talking about? So then I found swifehouse.com on huge domains and you can finance it for 36 payments and there's no interest. So I was like, done deal. I'm just going to finance it. I'll probably pay it off towards the end of the year. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like 175 a month. Like it's not a big deal. And that way I have nice. it. Yeah. And, um, but that was one of those things where Wednesday I just like pulled the trigger and bought it after looking at it on Tuesday and then created this whole big plan of like, okay, here are all the things I need to switch things that are probably going to break reached out to all the vendors. Hey, I'm switching domains, subdomains, et cetera, moving, migrating. What do I need to do? How can I not break things? And even after all that planning, everything broke. <laughs> the, the community broke, uh, all the subdomains broke, nothing transferred in time and things, you know, were messed up. I got logged out of my own community. Um, and so I spent most of Thursday and Friday fixing all that, uh, at least for my time, I was doing th- things in between, but, 
then I shipped it and published. And that was last week. <laughs> nice, pretty productive week, so. Well, no, when you, when you look at those things, it's like, it's good to have them out the door, but none of them felt productive. It felt like these just small little things, you know, cause like I think they're good on paper, but like, is that 40 hours worth of work? Definitely not. Yeah. But I think you have, you have, you might have the wrong idea of productivity. I've made peace with the fact that every, everything that I ship, everything that I do feels messy to me. Hmm. It always feels like it's never done, it's never finished, never perfect, never what I imagine. But I've actually realized that this this is just this is never gonna happen. I'm never gonna ship something where I feel it's perfect or it's exactly what I wanted. I live in my own head and yeah. That's now everything feels messy and I, I need to be comfortable with it. So I don't know if you'll ever feel like a week has been productive with your Probably standards. not. I, yeah, I just need to, but okay, here's, here's the crux though. Here's like the dilemma for me is hmm. do I accept that I'm never going to feel productive? And then because of that, I end up being less productive because I'm less motivated to feel more productive or do I not accept the fact that I'm not going to be productive, which pushes me to try to be more productive. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, I think it's about challenging the the very definition of productivity for you. Hmm. Um, to me now, productivity means I've shipped something out and it's working. It's like hmm. this, this, this is what I mean by maximizer mindset. You have a mindset hmm. that is, it's, it's, it's never going to be enough. There's always going to be something, you know, it's, but once you have the right standards of productivity, then anything outside of that, uh, above that line is productive, you know? So it's, it's not either, either zero or 100. It's not either white or black. The nuances are enormous, right? Right. Um, I mean, it's easy to say for me, but that's how I kind of solved it myself while trying to work in progress. Mm. <laughs> not perfect. So, oh yeah. So, okay. If I'm understanding you correctly, basically you're saying that productivity doesn't mean that you use your time well. It just means that you produce something that you're going to be proud of, like that you got it out the that door, meets your standards. you created something. Correct. Yeah. That's a good point. Or else I wouldn't feel productive at all ever, you know, hmm. but I think you need to, uh, you need to look at, um, I think it's the paradox of choice that talks about this, the maximizer mindset. Uh, it doesn't only talk about, you know, once you have more than three options in front of you, you are more, less likely to take a decision. It also talks about that maximizer mindset. The fact that when you're maximizer, you're unlikely to be satisfied with the decision that you make. Therefore you will regret it. And therefore you will always look back at something else at a potential other option. While if you force yourself to have lower standards that are still acceptable, you just move on. You don't regret, you don't look back. Uh, because it, it is what it is, right? So it's an interesting thing. That's also something I talk in the program. Uh, I'm not trying to plug it by the way, but it's just, no, no. it's warm in my head. So I, yeah. I remember it. Um, but I want you to come back to one thing you mentioned about recording guest intros and outros. Yeah. Um, I used to do that and it sucks. was one of the biggest time suck. So really? Yeah. Now I improvise 
based on a few bullet points during the intro. And it's, again, not perfect, but no one fucking complained about them. It's been four mm. years. <laughs> yeah. So. I thought about that. It's, it's maybe probably more of a like a style thing than like a right or wrong, best, worst kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I could change it. That's definitely one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about. I've even changed my mind on a few other things that I was going to do with the podcast and thir- certain things that I wanted to do that I just kind of dropped. Um, this, here's the thing too, is was uh, when it's top of mind, when I'm like about to record with a guest or after I record with a guest, um, there were a couple that I recorded like in one take just right afterwards, like 30 seconds each was just done. I think it was probably the fact that I went back, you know, and what it, no, I had to go back and remember sort of the state of mind, write up the intros. So my, my hope is what I think is if I do them like on top of it, like I'm supposed to, that it won't be a time suck, but I could be around there. Yeah. What I found is after the interview, I'm usually drained mentally and I do not have the energy to do an intro hmm. and therefore it's going to wait. And because it's going to wait, it's going to be, I'm going to forget stuff. Therefore it adds time because I need to re-research. Because my memory is not the best either. Like I can't fucking remember exactly what we just even what we talked about. Like let's say yesterday. So, let's see. It's true. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I'll, I'll have to uh, update you on that after uh, a yeah. couple months <laughs> of me recording intros and outros. So yeah, I mean, I can tell you what I what I did, what I did last week. Tell um, me. So I again from. Starting in early this year, I decided that I would post every day, every workday on LinkedIn, which I did. Things are, LinkedIn is a good channel for me. Uh, the, the reach there is very high. I don't add people, they add me, meaning they find me through the podcast or whatever. So I know they're interested somewhat in what I have to say. And overall, I've been able to promote what I wanted to promote here and there through LinkedIn. and. There is an interesting thing with LinkedIn is the, I mean, Twitter is the same, but even though people don't necessarily actively interact with the post, people see it. Oh yeah. People remember you and people, you get top of mind and I can see a correlation sometimes between the post and invite on a podcast or an an email or a message to say, Hey, you know, are you, do you have time for consulting or stuff like that? And I like to check sometimes they whether they specifically interacted with a few posts and they haven't most of the time. Mm. So that's why that's why I like this this channel as well. Anyway, so yeah, I shipped f- five times. I liked on Friday now. I'm doing a. I celebrate someone, so I basically talk and say, "Hey, let's say Koreans, I celebrate you for your contribution to whatever," and I explain why. And that's been working quite well. I've done I've, two. I've so been far. liking those series, by the way. I think it's a great idea. Thank you. Uh, it's not mine. I mean, it's from a swap. It's from, I, I remember an SEO person did this type of thing for the SEO industry a long time ago. And I just mm. stuck in my mind. I was like, I want you to do that. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Then I launched um, the free hot seat coaching session that I'm offering this Wednesday at the time we we're recording oh, yeah. this. Uh, with great success, way above what I expected. I was expecting around 100 registration and I got more than 300 so far. So for me, wow. that's very happy for, with it. 
But what I'm happier with is the fact that those, it seems like, based on the submissions I got, uh, which is around 35 so far, it's pretty much exactly the profile I wanted, which is folks who could be interested in my, like the eight-week program, right? Um, and I've been very surprised by that. I was expecting a, a bit more people who want to build their personal brand and they don't know where to start or like uh, want to be freelancers, want to be entrepreneurs. I, I, don't, I don't mean that I don't want to talk to them or whatnot, but I, it, they're not my prime kind of audience. Mm. And yeah, so far, like I had CEOs and consultants and and uh, marketing like CMOs and, and submitting very interesting challenges. So yeah, I'm very happy with that. I think it's going to be that's awesome. really good piece of content that I'm going to try to, you know, publish on the podcast as a bonus episode and, and, and uh, stuff like that. That's fun. Uh, and then two, I have two clients right now on radical differentiation. I, I coach them. I don't, uh, I don't do the work myself. I advise them. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I'm laughing because I used to really struggle in my first agency to be even trusted enough to advise people. Anyway, mm. so it's a good night's change to be trusted to advise people. And yeah, it's, that's going very well. I'm, you know what I'm the happiest with is the fact that I can work with people outside of tech for a, long, for a while. Uh, mm. One of them is a shampoo company. Another one is an agency based in Paris. Um, and yeah, it's great to go outside of the SaaS bubble because I've right. been in this bubble for way too long. So turns out marketing principles from that works everywhere. Can you believe that? <laughs> what? It's crazy. Yeah, it's man. crazy. You know, in SaaS, you need to create your own, uh, what's the name? Uh, uh, blueprint Category. or your own. Oh, I'm, like, I'm sick of hearing this. It's like, come on, like, don't try to reinvent the wheel, mate. It's, uh -huh. it's the same thing everywhere. Right. Just go back to first principles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I go back to it. That's awesome. Do you have, um, you have like another cohort for your program coming up fairly soon, right? Is yeah. it February? Am I thinking of that wrong? Or is yeah, it yeah. February 1st. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. So applications open February 1st and then it starts officially March 15th. So, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's limited to 20 people and the hot, the free hot seat is a way for me to like to, to do the last push for it. Um, I have a waiting list, which uh, I've promoted this hot seat uh, to. So I'm expecting a few people who are necessarily like lukewarm, who would be warm enough. And then people who didn't know about it would discover it through the hot seat uh, session because I'll talk about it at the start and at the end. Mm -hmm. And then I'll send an email after. So fingers crossed that this will be enough to have 20 people to, to pay and yeah. be part of the program. What is... um. Like walk me through the program a little bit. I know, so you did the, uh, what's it called? Not, not a beta, but you know, you did like a first early run access. kind of like private, yeah, early access run of the program. Um, and now what you're doing, is that like, is it very similar to that first version that you did or have things changed? Like what's expected of someone who, who actually gets into it? Yeah, uh, it's a good question because that's something I've, pondered on a long, a long time. So I, I actually did a call with every single student of the first early access. So the 14 of them, uh, an hour each to understand what worked, what didn't. It seems like the cadence worked well. Hmm. I build it on purpose so that the first few weeks are, I mean, the first week and two are slower and then it in, the pace increases, increases, and then started to decrease again. So people hmm. like that. Uh, 
the little secret is that I was building the content every week as I went. So really? I had a curriculum, but I was creating the slides. So the full outline, creating the slides, recording the course and shipping it every week, week by week, because I was afraid of, you know, if I was missing something major or, mm. you know, if, if I had to change things around, I wouldn't have been able to, if I had pre-recorded everything, but mm. things have been working well in terms of the, the delivery. Then there's some details when it comes to letting people know well in advance the workload. So that is part of the landing page now for the new cohort. Um, what else did they tell me? A bit more time for them to talk to their customers or, or reach out to the market. A bit more time for that. And a bit more shipping. So they are shipping in ways every week and make them like talk to their colleagues or uh, ex-colleagues so that they understand themselves better, talk to their customers. But I was missing this element of, I want also see them ship something even if it's not the full product, I want them to ship a newsletter, a podcast. So I want to see that before they leave. Right. And that's something I kind of wasn't, it was kind of theoretical at the end. And it was only the, the last week of the program where we started to talk about that, which to me was too late. So that's mm. the biggest change I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to force them to ship way earlier. Cause I know that's the biggest hurdle for people. Like it, it, nothing is real until it reaches customers. Right. So yeah. But overall, I'm, I've been, again, the, in terms of the standards I had and, and what I wanted to achieve, it's, it's, it definitely was a success. That's awesome. So now it gives you the confidence to go into this next one and sort of really pre prepare. And I mean, it feels like 20 is not a, a large number uh, and it could be very achievable, especially given some of the benchmarks and metrics you're already looking at based on, you know, podcast downloads and followers and hot seat members and you know people on yeah. the email list as well like it it, it seems achievable um, on paper on, on paper right and that's but probably you're, you're, just the the self-doubt self-criticism coming in the, you'll hit that 20 uh, it's you're as good as your last launch uh, which is a bit mm. stupid i shouldn't think this way but to me i'm still very junior in in that kind of process of selling cohort-based programs and i'm being I'm being careful. And you know what? There's something interesting happening for me, like something that helped me a bit, and maybe it should help you. It could help you is to dissociate myself with Louis Gonier, the person that you see, meaning mm. having the real me, like a husband and, and, and brother and, and whatever, and the full self. And then the, the brand that was kind of, that is part of me now, like the people see. And when when I think of myself as the brand or like Louis Gonier, the person that is being known from the outside, the confidence is there. I know I will nail it. But if I, if I go back to my full self and all the experiences I had before and the mistakes I made, I'm being way more cautious. And hmm. I try to switch between the two personalities, like especially when I write emails or promote stuff, I'm trying to, to think of the brand, like, you know, I'm, I'm not n nobody either, you know? Right. Yeah. You, you get in the zone and you get, you get into sort of what am I trying to, how do I want people to perceive me and what am I trying to communicate? And, um, uh, sort of like the alter ego kind of idea. You yeah. Know, like you, you create this idea of who you are or want to be, and then you live up to that person essentially. Right. But it's like, I'm, 
I'm I'm the consultant who works for my for myself. Mm. Right. So it removes the emotions most of the time. It's it's like when it's not you, it's easier to see the picture, to see what to do next. And so I mean, I'm not. I haven't nailed that process at all, but I think I'm getting slightly better at it. You know. Yeah, that's fascinating. And then this co these cohorts, they're going to be two year, three year, four year. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I'm, you know what, I've, I've part of this productivity and, and like, I've stopped planning ahead way too far. So mm. uh, I'm only planning to the next cohort. So I know for a fact that I don't want to do too many because I want the exclusivity. Not everyone can get in and, and it's valuable and it's my time. Like I'm spending a lot of time coaching people. It's like very intense. So twice a year is max maximum. Um, so yeah, for now, twice a year, and then we'll see, you know what, let's sell out this one. Let's do a good job. Then there's going to be another one in September that, but that's too far ahead. Right. Yeah. Take it day by day, week by week, yeah. month by month. Um, I like that a lot. I think it's, uh, have you found that you, um, are not trying to slow down, but is there a component to like wanting to build in more balance and like live your life and and not work yes. so much absolutely man yeah absolutely which is that's exactly what i'm doing um mm. most of my friday beside planning is almost off i clean the house i do a few bits i go for work whatever and i charge for consulting quite a lot now not because i want to be made of money but because I value my time way more than I used to. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a millionaire. I don't give a shit. Uh, all I want is to be able to take three months off if I decide like in two months, like within one month's notice. Um, like if, if we have kids or whatever, uh, to have the freedom to travel, to have the freedom to spend time with my wife, yeah. my, my siblings, my family that's it like honestly that's it so yeah, yeah things change a lot i used to want to be a fucking millionaire and i'm i think it's just so funny now <laughs> what about you yeah i mean uh yes and no <laughs> because uh maybe it's just this whole quarantine thing but um the last three months i've worked more than i ever have in my life before which is good because I think that I'm, I'm pushing the boulder uphill. I need to build momentum. I need to ship. I need to get things out. Um, and I was just talking with my, my mom and my wife about this last night. And I don't want to create this illusion in myself that, uh, Oh, you know, one day I'll get to that point where I can slow down and I can let the boulder roll down. And that day never comes. I have to like very intentionally plan. No, I, this is what I want my life to look like, my day to look like. And this is a, this is like a deadline for me to get to that place where I can let the boulder roll mm. downhill. And man, mm. the last month, especially it's just been like groundhog day, just working all day long. I can't go anywhere. I don't see anyone besides my wife and my dog. And, um, and it's, it's depressing to be honest. It's, uh, it's been difficult. Like I want to get out and, play basketball. I want to go 
my wife just got roller skates. I'm like, I don't care. I'll, I'll roller skate. Last time I roller skated, I tore my MCL, but I don't care. Like, I just want to get out and do something. I want to go. I live walking distance to the zoo. I love the zoo. The zoo is closed and, and it sucks. I want to go walk around and look at animals. It sounds stupid, but like, I want to live. <laughs> and um, I think I'm just like feeling it a lot right now. But uh, absolutely, you know, in the next several months, like building a more balance, I think that's also part of the reason why I want to um, ramp down a lot of the consulting that I do is because it is very much uh, like that's the dichotomy of pro- being productive as a consultant is um, you you work a lot. You make the most of your time. And if you charge a high hourly rate and you work a lot of hours, then you make a lot of money. Uh, it's not really correlated to what you produce unless you're doing project based, which is probably more yeah. what I should do anyways. And it's a better use of, uh, of time, but I'm going to that same place of like, I want to do less and I'm going to charge more and it's going to be less available simply because I don't want to do as much of it. And, um, I think it's great to be in a place too, where you don't have to feel like you're squeezing the lemon out of every day and your lists and your, your profile and your site and you squeeze it just a little bit and that gives you more than enough thing you need, you know, where like I said, if you only need 40 people a year, like you can find 40 people a year and you know that with what you're doing, it's going to, it's, it's great to sell out quick. You know what I mean? And to feel like exactly. I can always, I'm always going to have extra. Yeah. Some margin. Yeah. I get you. And it's, I think it's a great analogy with the lemon thing. That's exactly what it is. So it's, it's, it's all about like having a, a trust bank or a give bank versus a take bank. And yeah. do you know, I had the luxury of being able to give, give, give for four years without asking anything in return. And I took full advantage of it because I was full time at Hotjar. So I was being paid. And then in, in part time, I was, I was doing the podcast and I had no ads on the podcast. And the idea, the long term thinking was I want to build a brand that I'm proud of, that mm. is fully me, that people can trust 100%. And now I reap the benefits, but I'm being careful not to take too much away. I feel like the bank right. is still full of all the years I've been putting it and helping people out. But that's something I'm very cognizant about, you know? Um, right. Yeah. You have to, you have to use it carefully and, and ration it. And, uh, yeah. you don't want to just be the sellout who is maximizing everything and charging bazillions yeah. of dollars for everything and creating all sorts of things you can sell just to try to you know, get everything you can out of someone. It's very, um, I, I had written a tweet a while back. Um, they got some traction probably from probably because it's a bit controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had said that it was my theory that you could, if you really worked on something full time for a year, completely for free. And you just basically that same idea. If you just gave, 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 and you just put it out there without asking for anything in return. And then you, flip the switch um, metaphorically after a Mm -hmm. year that you could build a full-time living off of it because you've given so much. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't like that idea because there's also all sorts of questions about, you know, validation or, uh, you know, some people can't afford to do that. And, and those are all valid points too, but But I don't think it's like a, right. It's not an either or it's, I think that you can't, like you said, you put in work for four years doing this podcast, 
building a name for yourself, building a reputation, building trust, um, without asking for anything in return. Like that's super, super admirable. And, and now you, you do get to cash in on that a, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> but no, but it, that's, it is what it is. You, you need to see, yeah, the, the give bank versus the, the take bank is, is something I've been just a big fan of. And I agree with you. I remember that tweet. Um, I think people took it, some people didn't necessarily took it for, for what it was, which is, yeah, trust is anything, is everything now. Um, credibility, trust, if, to be trusted is, is the key. So mm. once, you, once you're trusted, once you've, you're found credible by a, by a small market, then yeah, you can do a lot with it uh, as long as you keep being mindful, you know? Yeah. Yeah, could talk about that for hours. Well, we'll have to, on, uh, we'll have each other on each other's podcast maybe sometime. I would love to have you on my new podcast and, um, and, uh, and we can talk about that for hours. Uh, but I want to take too much of your time. I know it's late for you. You want to live and have a, a good evening with your wife. Um, anything else top of mind or new for you or noteworthy from the past week? Well, tell you what I got the first time I got, so the game, the game for me, the thing I'm trying to do, if we're going meta in terms of marketing and positioning, yeah. I'm slowly trying to change my, the perception of me from being a podcast host who likes to curse and like fight marketing bullshit <laughs> and, and who seem to know a few bits about marketing because he worked at Hodger and, and whatnot to being seen as someone who knows a lot about radical differentiation or basically teach you teach companies to, to radically differentiate because that's the way to fight marketing bullshit. Mm. Right. Right. And that's a very interesting meta problem for me, which I love kind of putting my consulting hat on and consulting for myself. And uh, it's starting, it's starting to happen. I'm starting to get invites on podcasts so that I can talk about differentiation. Hmm. I'm starting to see comments on LinkedIn of people like tagging me on a post about differentiation. Um, starting to get emails, not thousands, not, but a few from companies who might be interested in hiring me for that. So what I've been doing is seems to start to work, which is, which is great. And it's purely just me being fucking visible and talking about it way more on LinkedIn and starting to talk way more about it on via email. So yeah, that's the big meta problem that mm. is, uh, that I wanted to share with you so that you could see it from, from your perspective and see whether you have ideas for me. Well, I think that you're, you're definitely making progress on that and you're doing the right things because I have that word association with you now, even I think just, it's, you know, uh, it works outwardly in kind of concentric circles, right? So for your close circle people, um, you let them in the loop of, hey, here's what I'm gonna do, here's what I'm working on, here's what I wanna be, here's who I wanna be. And automatically they kind of grasp onto that and say, I get that, I understand that. You know, radical yeah. differentiation, I love it. You can be great at it, I love your plans, keep me in the loop. And there's kind of a, another layer of people who like, maybe you knew you as the podcast host, right? And now they're like, oh, differentiation. Like this is an interesting kind of new angle and I wonder what he's gonna do with this. And is this kind of like what he's doing now and how does it play with the podcast? And then there's like the third uh, circle, which is people who are very like, you know, um, outlands, right? Who yeah. maybe have heard of you before, maybe listened once, maybe don't know you at all, but are looking for things related to 
differentiation and like now you need to introduce yourself and you need to find a way to uh to kind of loop them in for you and from my perspective i think that you've you know you, you've nailed and you're nailing those first two circles in the concentric circle diagram whatever it's called i don't even know uh of building that word association and positioning yourself as someone who knows about radical differentiation um my, my my immediate thought was sort of break out of that and like solidify it. It's going to sound a little bit silly, but write a book. Cause I just think, I mean, a book is so like authoritative yep. and it's so far reaching. Um, it's basically, I mean, books are so cheap too, right? It's just like you buy a book, you pick it up. Even if you never read it, you associate that person and what they do with the brand of the book, the idea of the book, the premise of it. Um, so that's that's my my big idea for you. Let's write a book on. You can already see it now. Radical differentiation, Louis Grenier. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. That's definitely part of uh, part of the plan uh, or the rough idea. Yeah, I. The way I'm going to build the book is by. So j just briefly, instead of doing interview episodes for 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 uh, starting in February, so the four years anniversary of the podcast. Mm. I'm going to do solo episodes where I basically make sense of past episodes, connect them together and say, this is one concept per episode where I'm going to talk to you about why conspiracy theorists and your consumers have the same mindset and what you should do about it, for example. And oh, I'm going to quote it. different episodes, positioning that together. And I'm going to switch from the guest having most of the airtime to me having most of the airtime. Mm. And the idea is to distill down several concepts, see what sticks. And the book is going to be written this way in a sense. And then based on the feedback from the program as well, the curriculum, that's going to be probably the base of the book. So, but I think it's too early, but yeah. absolutely that's the plan. Uh, but it's to, to live true to what I want to stand for when I'm thriving, it's going to have to be a different book in some way, shape or form. Yeah. 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 Oh, I look forward to that. That sounds like a, a challenge, right? Challenge accepted yeah. to build a, a radically different book. Um, that feels like a lot of work to go back to previous episodes, listen, notes. Uh, like, how is that going to practically work? Well, it looks like that. Oh my gosh. It's For, uh, all the transcripts. I mean, that's just maybe 20 episodes. How much did that cost you? <laughs> uh, maybe 200 euro. So like really? $250 to print them all. Yeah. Wow. That's and actually really genius. That's how I build the program. So hmm. I've read through all of the episodes that, that I'm passionate about, usually about positioning in some way, shape or form. Right. Made notes of it, that let my brain think about it and then add in my own experience to it. And then it took me a month to build that program, to build that wow. curriculum. And I feel I have something. So it's not that difficult now to pick them up. I mean, quote unquote, not that difficult. It is challenging. I love that. For for listeners who obviously can't see, Louis just pulled out a ginormous manuscript, basically, <laughs> just of all the... How many episodes are there of everything that's... Or, um, everyone Hates Marketers? Uh, I think 160 without the replays, something okay, like that. Okay, so 160 transcripts all in one big binder of uh, page after page. And he's got notes, too, for picking out different... Um, Okay, I have to ask you this now because I'm sure you're in the thick of it, but 
do you know, have you been in the personal knowledge management space and Zettelkasten and building a second brain kind of sphere? I've been starting to look a bit at what they're doing. Interestingly, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm using some of the concepts. Okay. I'm using Workflowly instead okay. of Run Research. And I've only started to do like, they call it mirrors, which is basically what Run Research do where you have, and exactly. started so. only starting to do this. Woof. Well, that's, yeah. that's fascinating. Um, you're there. I mean, honestly, you, you probably, if, as long as you know, sort of the basic concepts of like, I mean, you have the book already, you're taking the notes, you're building categories, uh, you're, you're building it into workflowy and you have the mirrors or some sort of backlink or reference that you can start to connect ideas together. That's basically it. Like the rest is kind of like details for nerds and advanced techniques and things that really, Correct. you know, like the last 10%, but it's diminishing returns. Um, that's amazing. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, me too. It is a lot of work. So I've been recording solo episodes this week um using descript and that's the hmm. like talking about radical differentiation man uh this is the this is one of the example recently that i found this is true radical differentiation they have a radically different product that serves a very specific need for a specific market and they've nailed it and that's what true differentiation is it's not just your hmm. marketing it's the product Right. And I'm now able to edit an entire solo episode, being able to copy paste, literally copy paste highlights of previous episodes without an editor, without an audio editor. I can do it, everything myself. It's as fast as editing a doc. Yeah. And it's, I can remove the ums and the, you know, and the repetitions. <laughs> it's just fantastic. I mean, it just changed on, like it creates an entire new opportunity for me that I would never be able to do. So yeah, fair play to them, you know? It was, uh, was Descript part of the inspiration to do yes. a show format like this? Because now that it's possible. Yes. Wow. I, that's when I realized, hold on a second. I actually don't need to create an entire new workflow from, from my podcast editor, who's my brother. Um, I can, uh, I can hook you up by the way, if you need uh, someone and I can, uh, I can do it myself. Wow. That's fascinating. It's funny because I'm actually, um, I'm teaching, training my nephew to uh, to edit my podcast and uh, stitch things together. So Family I'll let you know because he, he's a full-time student and he's awesome, but uh, I don't know if he wants to do it forever. So <laughs> I might, may have to hit you up for that later. Um, let me know, man. I feel like I've been talking a lot and you haven't, so I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I love it. And people hear enough of me every week as well. So That's it's true. fascinating to talk about you and everything that you're working on. So, so the, the, walk me through, um, like the core pillars of like what you're doing. So there's the cohort based program, radical differentiation, yep. this new podcast format. Now where you are doing solo episodes where you talk through and distill, uh, comment on quotes from past episodes and sort of weave ideas together. You have LinkedIn where you're posting five times a week and one post per day. You have the email list. Mm -hmm. um, walk me through what are the other like core kind of pillars of what you're doing. So at the top, we have the podcast itself, which is still being discovered and talked about by others. So people, top of the funnel, people come to the podcast. We also have LinkedIn. Um, and then we have 
appearances on other podcasts and communities. So I'm going to do that more. Like I'm going to do hot seats style coaching inside communities. By the way, I'm available if you want me to do that in your. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? I will absolutely take, <laughs> take you up on that. Um, That's top of mind for me, actually. I'm, I'm starting great. to do more in community workshops and interactions and get people inside. Fantastic. So. Because that's my plan. So no webinars type uh, slides and whatnot. More like people submit their questions and then, you know, we actually have a live discussion mm. and say so this is how you should solve it and then we move on. So mm. that's the three stuff on the top. I I was thinking of potentially doing ads in some way, shape or form to promote the trans... The, uh, like a, a Twitter thread, let's say, of a solo episode that, that is interesting. And then seeing if that works, I would pump some money into it, like 50 quid or whatever. But that's not there yet. So top, mm. it's that. And then on the podcast now, there will be ads every time uh, by myself, which promotes something a bit down. The main core thing that I'm building now is the email system where mm. I am going to create an evergreen newsletter where everyone signing up, doesn't matter when, will get the first edition anyway. And then automated every week, they'll have the next one. And each mm. newsletter is going to be based on the solo episode. So, do you know? And so it's going to be the yes. full thing or as much as I can fit in so that it's valuable uh, email. And the email is going to become like the newsletter is going to be something on its own where I'm going to teach you to stand out and I'm going to actually, you know. And then inside this newsletter, there is going to be a personalized variable part of it which i will manage through convertkit where if i want to promote something i can then change that variable part and anyone who, who receive an email that week doesn't matter which which number will get the same format and mm. same idea on the podcast ad i'm using a tool called ad barker which enables me to retrospectively change the ads on the podcast, which is a game changer as well. Because then if you hear an episode which is still valid from like two years ago, about let's right. say Seth Godin, you're not going to hear an ad from two, two years ago. You're going to hear an ad from today, right? Right, right. And then that's going to trickle down to the program, the waiting list of standard account. For now, that's the system. And not everything mm. is built, but I'm working towards building the middle part, which is the most important to me. I've never been able to do that before. And that's the key. So that's mm. overall the, the idea, man. I love it. Talk about calculated. I feel like you've got it figured <laughs> it's out. It's not done. You're right, it's not right. done, mate. It's not done. Nothing is fucking real until it reaches the people. Until and it hasn't. So yeah. it's not there. Um, the Evergreen newsletter idea is interesting because... Uh, one, I thought about doing something similar. Um, to me, my my sort of like email marketing inspiration uh, is always Brandon Dunn, and uh, yes, I got it from from him. Okay, so I've seen him mention it a few times. I actually I just sort of shipped, and this was one of the other things. Oh, this was yeah, this was one of the other things that took up a whole bunch of time for me on Friday was working through a no code integration system that connected member stack what I use for yeah. all of the Swipe House memberships and ConvertKit, which is top funnel newsletter. And also like the way, main way that I communicate with members, subscribers, uh, et cetera. Um, and the issue was everything was tag based and I knew that that was wrong, but I just had to get something out the door. And I had like the skeleton 
of what could be a better system of doing that. And so, you know, now I'm taking the ideas of Brendan Dunn of building in custom fields and now I have this whole thing working. So the member stack and ConvertKit are, are working together. And the next thing I was thinking about was the Evergreen newsletter. Um, because, okay, but here, okay, so here's my hesitation. You tell me your thoughts on it is that I don't want it to be cheapened because someone knows or finds out that it's not like that's not when it was published um for example if someone's following me on twitter and then uh i publish a new blog post and then they they sign up for the newsletter and the first post they get is a different one and then the next one they get is a, a different one from the past as well mm -hmm. um does that make them unsubscribe because they only want the newest one or they only want um you know they feel like why am i getting this old stuff i just want yeah stuff going uh, forward uh, yeah but that's that's interesting because i had the same thought the way i've been dealing with it is i think it's gonna be you're gonna have a hard time trying to find people who are so in tune to everything you say and you produce that they are sick of seeing it again i mean listening it on the podcast or seeing it on twitter and then reading it on an email to me is not a bad idea because repetition is key like right. people just forget and they read right. one part of it and they fucking forget because they have other stuff to do. So repetition is important. Transparency is important. So as long as you say, hey, it's an irregular newsletter. And the second part is the variable part. I think, I think as long as you mm. have some sort of a weekly update that is truly new, then you're, you're done. Um, and then you can have people unsubscribe from that evergreen and say, I only want to receive the one-off campaigns. When, mm. when you want to sell something and you just pause that evergreen and just, you know, ship it. So mm. to be honest, man, I think this is the type of problem that we create in our head. <laughs> uh, the real problem is when you don't, uh, you're not being seen. Right. And you're not, you're not doing anything. Yeah. What, um, when you say, uh, these sort of variables, are you talking yeah. about like a content snippet yes. in the email? Okay. So you just update the content snippet and then the next time that that email goes out, to someone who had just subscribed, now they get the updated uh, version of that snippet with whatever Correct. is timely. Correct. Anyway, that's how it looks like on paper. Sounds like, it sounds good, doesn't it? But again, it needs to be true and tested, but there's something magical about having a system that, um, you know, uh, creates customers in a sense yeah by yeah. using your work because i don't want to waste that work i mean making sense of podcast episodes for three years ago and connecting the dots and making connecting things it's like i'm for i'm i'll be very proud of that for able to achieve that and you bet i'm gonna fucking make sure that everyone reads them right <laughs> make the most of it right get it get it out there in front of as many people yeah. as possible on all the channels and and then um, the beauty of that is you can once you know what performed and what didn't because everyone sees it you can improve and add to it and it's, I think this is a, I get very anxious when I see those Substack newsletters of past editions that are getting lost. I'm like, Jesus, mm. what a waste. They yeah. only get the new one. Right. That's actually, I mean, that, that was one of my favorite. Uh, I'm only, I only paid for one Substack and it's actually a bundle and it's, it's an amazing deal. It's the everything uh, bundle. So it has like, I think at this point, like 10 different paid newsletters all together. Right. And one of my one of the most like valuable uses for me has been going through Tiago Forte building second brain mm -hmm. 
his uh, archive of basically paid posts that he like imported into Substack to be a part of the bundle. But it just it did just kind of live on his blog and it was part of his newsletter. Uh, but it's locked down behind content. And I I loved just going through the archive and I was like, there's an amazing and like it inspires me to I want to build an amazing sort of archive of content for people to go back to eventually as well. So I think you have your answer. I I I do it myself. Like I reread stuff, I re-listen, I remember things that I couldn't that I just didn't pick on pick on before. Let's see how it goes. But I yeah. I think it's that's what happens on the podcast people coming back to episodes and it's when i post replays for example which are episodes i've been privileged before i never get a complaint people still come and say oh mm. that was great as if it's new clearly right. i wish people could pay attention to every single thing but they don't so mm. um i have to go dinner is ready dinner is ready Apparently. i love it man thanks so much for coming on it's been a blast and no, um, thank you we're going to have to chat offline uh, but, but I want to other things we can do together and uh, offline really or well no online <laughs> I, I can't fly online, over but not here but for not a while <laughs> yeah not not live um, but thanks for coming on man it's, it's been great and I uh, appreciate you sharing everything thank you and yeah let, let's do that I really appreciate what you do all the work you're putting in uh, and keep doing it awesome man well I'll have links to you and places people can find you follow you subscribe to you in the show notes and any, any other important things that we mentioned, I'll try to do my, my best to remember record there. Otherwise we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.